Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and remember. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Boy, it looks a lot different up here than it does when you're standing with the lectern. <laughs> well, here I am in the pulpit, the first time giving a Sunday morning message since late 1986, when I filled in while we were waiting for our new minister to show up. The interim we had at the time had to leave, and we had to fill the pulpits. I said, I'll do it once. I was chair of the congregation. I felt like I had to. Uh, so now, some 37 years later, I'm back. I'm pretty confident I will not be here to do it again in 37 years. My last talk, which I would never label as a sermon, was mostly a personal history of my growing up in this church. I guess you could say I was born into this church, as I'm a third-generation member because my parents and grandparents were both members here. We are actually in this place where we are today because my grandfather, who lived just across the street, knew the owner of all the property here and found out this property was going to be available. And they did a handshake deal on it. Then the depression hit. And it was 10 years later before the cornerstone was actually laid. My family roots here at Douglas even deeper than that, as you all know. My aunt and uncle were members, my in-laws were members, my father-in-law's mother were members, and currently Janie and I, Ann and Gary and David and all his family are members. We even had a great uncle who was a disciples minister, but he lived in Virginia. As we heard in today's gospel from Matthew, Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, some 2,000 years later, here we are. I don't know if we're any closer to fulfilling the commands of the Great Commission that Jesus gave us, but there have been times when I think I've seen or experienced a little bit of heaven. If you've heard that phrase before, our pastor Derek has been known to use it quite often to describe something small that shows there's good things can still happen in this world, even when things seem to be as troubled as they are. It's been my good fortune to have been involved with Habitat for Humanity over the years including working on numerous houses, going on mission trips, and being on the board of directors. Most of you would not know this because most of you are fairly new here, but since 1985, Douglas has built or sponsored eight Habitat houses here in Louisville. I will admit that when I drive by some of those houses, I do like to look at the roof or the siding that I put on to see if it's still there. <laughs> This wonderful organization has allowed me to have many really meaningful experiences. Just getting to work with the Habitat families during construction is a wonderful experience. These people are trying to get a house of their own and they work hard at it. They have to have over 400 hours of sweat equity. That is a lot of work. Most of them are the first ones in their family to ever actually own a house. 
and they're building something that will generate equity, equity for them as they pay off their mortgages. And yes, they have a mortgage that's not free. When every Habitat house is completed, there's a house blessing ceremony held at the house. The children especially get excited at this, as you can imagine. And several times I've had one take me into the room and say, this is my room. That's very special when you've been living in a family of four or five people in a tiny apartment or maybe in the basement of a relative. Once I was in Knoxville for a regional meeting of Habitat board members from all over the South. We had a luncheon with about 500 people there. And the MC was up on the stage and he said he had some bad news for everybody. Now every Habitat house has to have a financial sponsor. And it seems a sponsor had to back out at the last minute because of financial difficulties. Now, in that room, there were quite a few people who were in the process of getting ready to get their Habitat homes. And one of them knew they had lost their sponsor. Then the MC said, asked the woman to stand up, who it was. And of course, she was shaking and crying. And he said, I just found out five minutes ago, this construction company said they will sponsor your house so you can start next Saturday. As you can tell, I was a little emotional for that. <laughs> Sorry. Christmas is a wonderful time of year, but as everyone knows, it can be full of disappointment. Movies like Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life, have a way of setting us up to wonder why we don't have those wonderful moments in our lives. That's not to say it doesn't happen. We've had some great family times over the years. But there's a lot of pressure at Christmas, finding the right presents, the ordeal of shopping, getting the house ready for company, and hoping that everybody will just get along. Thank goodness for our beautiful Christmas Eve service that we have here at Douglas. I remember one Christmas Eve when I was driving home from the service, and I was kind of in a funk because I just wasn't feeling it. And I got out of the car, looked up in the sky, and the clouds opened up, and there was the moon shining. And it had to stop and look at it. It felt like God was personally telling me, everything is good. My father-in-law, Lively Wilson, who many of you knew, was an exceptional man. He was a nationally known prominent lawyer who personally knew all the justices of the Supreme Court. We have a picture of him with Ruth Bader Ginsburg on her, in our family room. In spite of his lofty professional position, he was a very down-to-earth kind of guy. He lived close to Whitehall over on Lexington Road. And he would often walk over there and spend hours just walking around the beautiful gardens. If you haven't done that yourself, you really ought to. It's something else. I can remember walking in the woods in North Carolina in the mountains. And we keep stopping because he would see some tiny little flower like this big and have to get down and get a really close up look. He truly was somebody who stopped and smelled the roses. He was always amazed at the beauty of nature and was convinced that it really was all a gift from heaven. Speaking of my in-laws, one time we were driving back from either North Carolina or Florida, I can't remember which, and we were on I-75 just north of Knoxville. And my mother-in-law had one of the world's truly great sweet, sweet tooth, or tooths, I guess you would say plural. She loved pies, cakes, cookies, ice cream, anything that was delicious and mostly bad for you. She especially loved stopping at Dairy Queen because they had blizzards. If you don't know what a blizzard is, it's kind of like a milkshake with chunks of candy in it, so it's a really double dose. 
We were getting off the interstate, going down the exit ramp, and there was a guy walking on the side of the road. It was summertime, and it was hot, and he looked pretty bad. And, but we went by, and I didn't think else, else about it. So we're in the Dairy Queen, enjoying our blizzards, and then he walks. And he goes up to the counter, and he buys the smallest thing they have because he has very little money. Another customer in the store went up and bought a large soft drink and went over and handed it to him and said, I saw you along the road, and you look like you could use this. I'm still amazed at that act of kindness, and I'm also really disappointed that I didn't think of doing it. It stays with me today. It was a great lesson for me, kind of like the Good Samaritan. Maybe that's why a few years ago I started carrying a plastic grocery bag in my car that contains a bottle of water and some snacks, like Rice Krispie Treats, granola bars, peanut butter cheese crackers, and maybe even some goldfish. They're not just for kids, you know. I also put $10 in the bag because those folks living on the street need to have the ability to get inside and out of the weather and get something to eat. I actually got the idea of this from my good friend Karen O'Hara here at Douglas because she had been doing it for a while. So when we pull up to a stop sign or a stoplight and there's someone in the corner hoping for a handout, we can help them. You never know what kind of response you're going to get, though. Some are very appreciative. Some will say something like, God bless you. And when they say that to me, I always say, God bless you. I don't need the blessings they do. Sometimes you don't get any response at all, but that's okay, because they're the ones standing out in the weather, not me. There was one time recently I would not forget. Now, I have to admit that I like the food at rallies. It's not very good for you, but it sure is tasty. And I was at the drive through lane, the one out here at Goldsmith, and there was a man leaning on a shopping cart right next to the drive through He had a couple of possessions in his cart, but he was really weak. He was kind of leaning over on it, could hardly stand up. I motioned to him to come over to my car, where I handed him one of my goodie bags through the passenger window. He was barely able to even get, walk back to his grocery cart when he started eating. And within the two or three minutes I was in the line, he ate everything was in that bag. He was that hungry. I hadn't seen that before. They use the first thing they do is they look in the bag and they take out the money and put it in the pocket. You know? Lastly, something inspired me over 20 years ago to volunteer to deliver Meals on Wheels. I like to think maybe as a result of the influences here at Douglas over my lifetime, the Bible readings, Sunday school, the sermons, and the people. Delivering meals to people you've never met before reminds me of one of the sayings from Forrest Gump movie, life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. I've delivered food to people who I never met, never saw them once. They wanted to leave the food out of the porch, ring the doorbell, and leave. I think somebody probably said, don't let strangers in your house. Other people let you in, now, you know, they're very happy to see you, take food over, put it in the refrigerator for them, whatever. Some of them just want to chat. There was one lady who lived just a few blocks from here on Eastview. Some of you probably know where that is. Uh, this couple was very devoted to each other. They were so sweet. One time when I went in, she said, can you fix my TV? <laughs> well, lucky enough for me, the remote control was the same as he had at home, and she had just pushed the wrong button. So I just pushed it, came right on. She was amazed. Every time I go after that, she'd say, it's the TV repairman. 
I have a lady that I live with to right now down on right off Spring Drive. She greets, she waits in the doorway for me to show up. And she greets me so sweetly, it feels like she's doing me a favor by delivering her food. Over the years, I have to say that I have benefited from delivering the meals as much or maybe more than those people I've delivered it to. I wouldn't change any of these experiences for anything. All of them have had elements of kindness, grace, and peace. I have been blessed to have felt that I may have passed along a little bit of heaven to someone else and that I experienced a little bit in myself. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.